When the roll is caught up yonder, I'll be there. Thank you for being here today. We're glad you're worshiping with us. Thank you for uh, braising this rain. Uh, it's a big rainy day outside, and I think the creeks are rising, but we're glad that you made it to come and worship with us today. Thank you for being here. And as I say every week, I pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him, as we listen to uh, the spoken word, as we lift our voices in praise together. Uh, we just welcome you and are glad to see you face to face. We welcome all those of you who have joined us by live stream and who have joined us by Facebook Live and extend the same thing to you. We pray that you feel God's presence as we worship him today. Why don't you stand and just wave at each other and let them know you're glad they're worshiping and then we're going to join in singing, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Continue with us as we continue in worship together. Take my way. 
Thank you. you. may be seated. So thankful that you're here today and so thankful that the Holy Spirit is in this place and we know that he is near to us. And I pray that you have come today looking for Jesus and searching for his holiness and for his faithfulness and his righteousness because he offers it freely to all who would receive it and receive him but every week, there's an opportunity for us to pray, and we have so many things to be thankful for this morning, as well as so many needs in our lives, and we just want to humble ourselves before an almighty God and tell him how much we love him and to tell him how much we need him every moment of every day. We need him in our lives, and if you don't know him today, I pray that before this service is over, that you will come to know Christ personally, whether you're in this place or watching at home. I pray that the Spirit of God would touch you in a life-changing way. But at this time, I'm going to invite you to join me as we go to the Lord in prayer. May we pray. God, we come desiring Jesus more than anything or anyone else. And we desire, Lord, to be holy because you are holy. We desire to be faithful because you are faithful. And we desire, God, righteousness because you are righteous. And Lord, you tell us in your word, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added or given unto you. So I pray, God, that first and foremost, we would seek Jesus and the kingdom of God today, trusting you're going to meet all these other needs. And Lord, we have many needs today. Father, we have needs because of sickness, and we pray for healing, God, that you would touch people that are recovering from surgeries or facing surgeries, people that are going through treatments, 
folks recovering from COVID, oh God, heal them and may there be no side effects or complications. Father, we pray for folks who are grieving. Lord, we know several in our family of faith and extended family have lost loved ones even this past week. Comfort them, oh God. Wrap your loving arms around them and give them peace. Father, I pray for others who maybe are battling, Father, anxiety or depression. Would you anoint them, God, and deliver them, set them free from this bondage. God, we pray for folks that are having relationship struggles, heal marriages, reconcile differences, restore relationships. Father, we pray today for our students that some have returned back to school in person. Some will be going back this week. Put a hedge of protection around them. Father, we pray for teachers and administrators that you would protect them and Father, that it would be successful. Father, we pray for continued healing in our land and in our world that, Father, soon things can be back to more normal. But, Lord, help us to continue to, to do whatever we need to do to be responsible in keeping people safe and healthy. And, Father, I just thank you for this church I thank you for the love we share and the faithfulness of your people and thank you for this staff and Father, for everything that we try to do to minister during this challenging time. Continue to give us godly wisdom and insight. And Father, we pray that you would continue to bring great revival and spiritual awakening in our hearts and the heart of this church and our state, our country, and our world. And Father, be with our leaders, and give them wisdom, Father, as they make decisions that they would uh, consider your will and not their own. And Father, I pray that you would just, again, be with everyone, whether they're here or watching, that if they have never given their life to Christ, that today would be the day of salvation or maybe the day that a Christian would renew their commitment to Christ. So, Father, we just commit this service to you. We've already committed it to you. And ask now that a great move of your spirit would flow through the remainder of the service, through the musicians and instrumentalists and through your word and through your servant. And again, Father, in my weakness, would you be strong? And, Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts and open our minds Open our lives to the leadership of your Holy Spirit. We'll be sure to give you all the praise and the glory. And Father, I, I want to pray for the Devoted Women's Conference next Saturday, that many women would come to know Christ, that many families would be healed and encouraged. And Father, be with all the speakers and all the musicians and everyone who take part, that it would be a a glorious day where many, again, would be touched with the love of Christ. We'll be sure to give you all the praise and the glory and the honor, for it is in the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. I do thank you for being here today and allowing the Spirit of God to be in this place.
I know how uh, inviting it was to stay at home today with the weather as it is, but thank you uh, for making an effort to be here. And for those of you who are watching, we're thankful that you're tuning in as well. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to Acts chapter 3? We'll begin reading with verse 1. And after the reading of God's Word, would you be in prayer for our choir ensemble as they come to lead? One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord.
Thank you, Bill and choir, for leading so beautifully. That's a wonderful message and song, and I hope we can all say it is well with our soul before we leave this place today. I always like to share a little humor at the beginning of a message, and this is an oldie, but I think it still is, is pretty funny or, or cute anyway. But a Sunday school teacher was teaching about creation and uh, was teaching the class that God created everything, even human beings. And uh, little kindergarten student Johnny was uh, very intent on hearing the part that Eve was created from Adam's rib. That really just impressed him and was on his mind. Later that week, uh, Johnny was at home and he was laying in his bed and seemed to be ill. And his mother went in and said, Johnny, is everything okay? What, what's the matter? And Johnny said, I have a pain in my side. I think I'm going to have a wife. <laughs> How come none of the ladies are laughing today? For the last several weeks, we've been going through a sermon series called Rebound. We have been looking at stories in Scripture where men or women found themselves in what seemed like a helpless and hopeless situation, but then through God's divine power, they were able to rebound or to bounce back from their circumstance or from their situation. And it's possible that you're here today and you have felt that you have been in a helpless and hopeless situation through this pandemic. Maybe it's really done a number on you and you have needed some way to bounce back or to rebound from it. Maybe through this pandemic, as I said in the prayer, you've developed anxiety or depression. You are looking for some way to bounce back or to get rid of this which has kept you shackled over these last several months. It's possible that you've tried to self-medicate during this pandemic and you've looked for ways to numb the pain and you find that it's not working. And so you are looking for somehow to rebound or to bounce back without using a, a substance of some sort. Or maybe you've spent more time like we have with our families. And even though that's been very great for a lot of us, for some of you, maybe you are getting on one another's last nerve. And you can't wait for things to open up a little bit more because you have gotten on one another's nerves. But the fact is, we all are rebounding or bouncing back from something today. All of us, in some way, shape, or form, are bouncing back, rebounding from something. In our scripture today, we see two of Jesus' closest disciples who have gone to the temple for a time of prayer. And in this story, it's a wonderful message, and it's a miracle that takes place. And I pray that today God will bring a miracle in your life, that there will be a, a wonderful conclusion to the story. Today, we come to the close of this series, Rebound. And I pray that this would not be the end of the story, that we would continue to rebound and to bounce back through God's divine power and the power of his Holy Spirit. But in this wonderful passage today, we see the importance of being at the right place at the right time. 
in verse 1 of Acts chapter 3, it says, One day when Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, it was 3 in the afternoon. Well, the Jewish people began their day at 6 o'clock in the morning, and their day ended at 6 p.m. in the evening. And for the devout Jew, there were three special times of prayer. It was at 9 a.m., 12 noon, and 3 in the afternoon. And it was at this time that Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. Now, they understood that their prayers were effective no matter where they were praying. But they also felt that when they were praying at the temple, they were doubly precious and doubly powerful. I kind of agree, don't you all? It seems that when we're together in God's house, that our prayers and our lives are doubly precious, or our prayers maybe even more powerful when we are together as God's family and as God's children. But maybe you find it interesting that James, or Peter rather, and John had gone to the temple to pray when they had a new faith in Christ. Why was it that they were still going to the temple? Well, I believe because they had been trained and disciplined in their Jewish faith to go, and once that they came to know Christ, they believed that their new faith and their old discipline could walk hand in hand together, that they could still be the, the people that, that God wanted them to be, that Jesus wanted them to be by going to the temple to pray. And when you think about this passage, it's a beautiful passage because there Peter and John were doing what they were accustomed to doing. They were going to worship. They were going to pray. And many times I think people get complacent and they forget about just how important it is to come to church. And I'll be honest with you, that's been one of my biggest concerns through this pandemic, that if people are going to rebound and bounce back by coming back to church. So many people have gotten comfortable in their recliner, on the couch, or in their bed, again, eating pancakes and, and drinking coffee, that I'm afraid that they may not want to. But please know, I and we miss you greatly. And we would love to see you back here. And if you want to wear your pajamas and eat pancakes during the service, that's fine too. Just bring one for me. But it's so important in this story that they were going to the temple to pray. They were at the right place. But then we read in verse 2 that a man who had been born lame, who had been lame his whole life, was being carried to the temple gate, beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. There was a man who had been lame from his birth. This is Luke writing now out of Acts, who was a physician. And lameness is understood to be that a man could not walk, that there was a problem with his feet, that his ankles were out of socket. And so there was this lame man from birth. And if you would read on over in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, he come to understand that he was over 40 years old. So he had been there 
for a good while, begging. And he was at the temple gate called Beautiful. Well, Jewish historian Josephus described this gate as possibly being between the court of Gentiles and the court of women. And it was an ornate made of Corinthian bronze, uh, 40 cubits to 50 cubits high, that was plated with gold and silver. Can you imagine this, this huge ornate gate? And here was a beggar at the gate. Because in the east, beggars knew that at the temple or shrine would be one of the best places to receive help because people on the way to church or to worship would be more disposed to help someone. Their heart would be at a place maybe to give alms to someone who was in need. And I thought about, as I read this story, and I never really thought about it before, and if this man was over 40 years old, don't you think that Peter and John had passed him many times? Possibly, I said at the early service, I even thought about, I wonder if Jesus had ever passed him by, if he had been begging all these years and had been there. And then I thought, well, if Jesus would have passed by, I know what would have happened if Jesus would have gone by. But Peter and John had, had gone to pray. They were disciplined to do this every day. And this man was being carried there. And it reminds me of the story we read out of Mark chapter 2 when the friends or family took the man who was paralytic and they made the opening in the roof and they lowered him in. The friends carried him there. Well, someone cared enough about this man, this beggar, this man who was lame, to get him to the temple every day. Probably took him there early in the morning and stayed there till the last time of prayer in the afternoon looking for help. He was at the right place and for whatever reason, this time, Peter and John, they see him. It was at the right place at the right time. Don't you think God puts us sometimes in places where he can work in our lives? We, we are at a place where we put ourselves in a position where God can do something great in our lives. Let's think about it a moment. Let's think about all the great things maybe that have happened while we've been at church. Did you give your life to Christ at vacation Bible school as a child, possibly at church? Did you come to know Christ at a youth service or youth retreat or a youth trip? Did, did you give your life to Christ maybe at a, a revival in an old unair-conditioned church with people fanning? Did, did you come to know Jesus maybe at the end of a worship service on a Sunday morning. Maybe you came to know Christ through a faithful Sunday school teacher that taught you God's truths while in Sunday school or Bible study. Maybe you've met some of your very best, dearest friends in God's house, lifelong friends. Maybe you've grown in the faith in God's house more than you ever have in any other time in your life when you've been in God's house. Maybe that's when we worship God at our best when we've been in God's house. That's when we put ourselves in a place where God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, could do something 
fresh, something new, something life-changing, life-altering in our lives. I believe this man was at the right place at the right time because someone cared enough to get him to this place. And maybe God has you here today at this place, at this moment, for a specific reason. And you know what else? We serve an on-time God. You know, I think about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Verse 11, Ecclesiastes 3. He makes everything beautiful in its time. And I believe with all my heart that God has a time for everything. Now, we don't always understand why is it that this man, lame man, had to, to be there begging at the temple maybe for years and years and that nobody had ever really taken notice or had stopped to try to help him, not that we know of. Why, why was it that at this time it was God's timing? This past week I was reading, I have two devotionals that I read from each morning and my time of prayer, and, and I believe God was trying to give me a message because in the one devotion, it talked about that God is always on time. He's never early, nor is he ever late. He's always right on time. And we don't always understand God's timing, do we? I, I think that's why the Lord said in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 9, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. We don't always understand. But when it talked about being an on-time God, I was thinking you're, you're preaching to the one that needs to hear. When I've fretted about why this is happening here and when and how and now, and God's like, I've got this and I've got you. But then the second devotion, which I thought was funny, and I wrote about it in my Focus article or newsletter, talked about now. So one was an on-time God, and one was the word now. That if we're ever going to give our lives to Christ, it should be now. If we're ever going to get our house in order, it should be now. If we're ever going to tell somebody we love them, it should be now. If we're ever going to say, forgive me, or I'm sorry, it should be now. If we're ever going to share our faith with someone, it should be now. Because we're not promised tomorrow. And that's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, when he said, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today might be the day you're at the right place at the right time. And you know, I've used the analogy from the very first sermon about rebounding in basketball. And I showed you that crazy picture of me getting a rebound back in high school you know one of the things that makes somebody a good rebounder? Timing. Timing. They, they know where the ball's coming off, and they know to have a nose for the ball. I'm going to go get it. I, I can tell that's short, or I can tell that's long. That's bouncing off. Timing is so important, and God's timing is so important. And it wasn't by accident that Peter and John were going to the temple at 3, and that this beggar, this lame beggar who could not walk, was there, again, carried by people that cared for him, people that loved him, people that were trying to help him. And I hope we do the same thing for people. 
that we reach out and invite people to come to church. We invite people to worship. We, we try to help people that are in need. But not only was he at the right place at the right time, but in order for us to rebound, we have to have the right motive. Verses 3 and 4, it said, when he saw Peter and John about to, to enter the temple, uh, Peter looked directly at him. He asked for money. And then Peter looked directly at him, and so did John. And he said, look at us. Look at us. Did you find that interesting? When he saw Peter and John about to enter into the temple, he asked them for money. Then Peter looked directly at him, and so did John. And then he said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention because he was expecting to get something from them. His motive of being at the temple, he didn't know what his greatest need was. He was there to get money, alms. Like I said, many beggars would be there at the temple gate or outside the temple court. Alms, alms for the poor man, alms for the beggar, alms, alms, ask him for alms, ask him for money. And his motive was to get money. Is that your motive? Some people think their greatest need is to make money or to get all the money they can. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. And so if you think your greatest need is to get money, you're missing the boat. It cannot satisfy. It cannot fill that God-shaped void that's in every human heart. So if you're longing for money, thinking that's going to make you happy and you're going to be successful, that's a devil's lie. This man thought his greatest need was he had to get money. But what he really needed was the right heart. And Jesus said in that great Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And if we want to bounce back from whatever situation we're in, our hearts need to be right. If we haven't gained anything from this crazy pandemic, then we're missing a golden opportunity for God to do something in our lives. I pray that all of us have had our hearts purified, transformed, changed for the better because we've had more time to reflect on what or who should be most important and how we ought to be living our lives. And I hope that our hearts would be pure, that our hearts would be right. This, this man had a, a motive to get money, and that's when he saw Peter and John, he asked them for money. And then Peter said, looking directly at the man, so did John, look at us. I can picture this, several beggars maybe out there, maybe, maybe others were passing by, and, and maybe he was taught, looking at them, and then he saw some other potential folks passing by to get money, and so when he was talking to them, he's like, alms, you know, he was, he was talking to them, and then all of a sudden, alms, and Peter was like, hey, buddy, you got two right here on the line. 
You had two people that are interested in helping you. Look at us. Give us your attention. I shared at the early service, and, and my wife and children were here at the early, and my wife said, you need to clarify in this analogy. She said, it was a good analogy, but you need to clarify. I said, sometimes I've been guilty of being out in the foyer, and, I, and here's what I'm clarifying. I'm not asking for alms. <laughs> I'm not asking when people, alms, wait a minute, you alms? That's not what I'm doing, because one of our members leaving the early service came up to me and went, alms? And I said, see ya. But no, here's what I wanted to clarify. My wife has gotten on me before because I'll be talking to someone and, and then they begin to share, you know, some of their life story and then somebody will be leaving, going around them or going on out. Well, I'm, I'm talking to them, but I don't want to miss somebody to say, you know, excuse, hey, good to see you. Thanks for coming. You know, because if I don't do that, then somebody will say, I was at church and the preacher never said a word to me. I mean, I was there waiting. I mean, I waited like 30 seconds, and he never, he never said it. So I'm trying, my wife has gotten on me. He's like, Todd, they were telling you something, and then you tried to, I said, well, I was trying to catch her, but I'm not, at, she goes, you might want to clarify, you weren't asking for alms when they were leaving. But you understand that he's like, look at it. We want your attention. I wonder if anyone had ever looked this man in the eye and saw with his most important need was. And I wonder if he had ever fully given his attention to God. And then I ask you the same thing. Have you really ever given your full attention to God? And to see what's, there's a flash flood warning, but to see what the most important need is in your life. And it's not money, and it's not this, and it's not that. But they were focused, and they wanted him. So then he focused in on them. And I shared this illustration. It seems like today, more than ever, we see people begging on the corner, don't we? Whether we're going into Kroger, almost every corner in Lexington, it's so many. How many of us avoid making eye contact with them? Very rarely will they or we, you know, they're over here holding up the sign, uh, need money, lost job, or veteran, or uh, need to feed family of five, or, you know, and how many times are we like, oh, I can't wait for this light to turn, and I surely don't want to make eye contact. And you probably have felt like I have felt. Well, if I give them money, they're going to go use it on drugs or alcohol. I know that's what they're going to use it for. If I, if I try to help them, if I look at them, that's what they're going to do. Then my father-in-law pointed something out to me, and Kelly and I have talked about it, because we have given money to folks on the corner. We've given people gift cards to go eat. And our responsibility as Christians is to love our neighbor. What they do with the love of God that we show them is between them and God. We have a responsibility to do what's right as far as it depends on us. But then if they go out and misuse it, and I shared the illustration of years ago, a guy that had called me, and he was going through the phone book, no doubt, looking for churches to call. And he called and said, I've been calling churches trying to get help. Y'all call yourself Christians and pastors, and nobody will help me or give me a thing. I'm in need. 
I said, what's your need? What do you need? Well, I, I need some razors. I need some milk. I need some bread. I need a bus ticket. I said, where are you? And I went and met him. And I've shared this was years ago, this particular story. I've helped people since, but this one was so, uh, I remember this so clearly. So he was on East Main. <clears throat> if you're in Frankfurt, what used to be Pickpike. And then on down on that road was the Greyhound bus station, if any of y'all remember. And so I met him, and he was on the payphone when I drove in, and he hung up when he saw me getting out because he was probably calling another church saying, nobody will help me, and I've tried. and called. So I got out, and I, I said, hey, I'm Todd Lesser. Told him who I was, where I was from, and I said, what can I do? I went into Pickpack, bought him some items, paid for them, and then I said, well, let's go down to the bus station. We'll get you that bus ticket. So we go down there, and we go in, and the lady that was working behind the counter said, we have a bus this afternoon. When, when's your next bus leaving? We have one leaving this afternoon. It's going to Shelbyville at the time. And he said, I'll take it. And, uh, and I said, I want to get him that ticket to Shelbyville. And this, I remember this is funny now when I think about it. She, she said, well, who do you know in Shelbyville? I'm from Shelbyville. <laughs> and he said, well, I got some kin folk over there. I'm going to visit some kin. Well, who are they? I might know them. And I said, ma'am, that's okay. She said, you want me to make this ticket non-refundable? And I said, no. If he wants to go to Shelbyville and visit kin folk, that's fine. I paid for it. Wouldn't you know, later in the day, the curiosity got the best of me, and I went by the bus station. And he had cashed in that ticket. But one of the things I did when I bought him the ticket, and I, I remember saying this to him, I said, I got you these few items and this ticket because God loves you. And if you've never given your life to Christ, I want you to know, and I want you to quit calling churches or telling that no Christians will help you. I said, I'm a Christian and I'm helping you because God first loved me. So I'm praying a seed was planted. I remember his name, Randy. I, I could tell you his last name, but I'm not going to tell you his last name. He might be a kin folk of yours from Shelbyville. But anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. But the fact is, we have a responsibility. Our hearts must be right. This man wanted money, but then Peter and John, after all these years of going to the temple, they saw him. They saw him, and they stopped. But not only do we need to have the right motive or the, the right heart, but we need the right solution or the right remedy. We need the right solution or the right remedy. Now, now this is a powerful verse, verse 6. And after Peter had said, look at us, and the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said in verse 6, and this is in front of that big, beautiful gate with the Corinthian bronze, the gold and silver, the glistening from the sun at 3 o'clock. Silver and gold. Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk! 
In verse 7, and this is Luke the doctor again, realizing his dominant hand, he took him by the right hand, his strong hand, took him by the right hand, helped the man up, and instantly, not through surgery, not through rehab and physical therapy and occupational therapy, instantly, his feet and his ankles were made strong. Picture that. Instantly. That's the kind of God we serve. He has that kind of power. And then it said, he got up. Again, he, he's over 40 years old. I mean, he's been lying there on the side saying, alms, alms, alms. Said instantly when he helped him up, he began to walk and then jump up and down and began to praise God as they entered into the temple gates. Hasn't the Lord done enough for you and me for us to get excited and jump up and down about praising him? Hadn't God done enough for us in our lives when he sent Jesus to die on the cross that every single one of us should be jumping up and down and praising God for what he's done for us? Thank you, I hear that one clap. It's like my buddy used to come at 8.30 service. Russ would sit down here and you'd hear his one. But anyway, the fact is, this man had received a miracle of healing, the ultimate bounce back, the ultimate rebound. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Acts 4.12 says, salvation comes from no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men which by we must be saved. It's only through the name of Jesus. And today, maybe you're in need of salvation. You're at the right place at the right time to receive the miracle of forgiveness and grace. Won't you give your life to Christ today? Even if you're watching online, maybe God's been speaking to you through this series and thinking about how you can rebound and bounce back and you're never going to fully receive the power until you give your life to him and the Holy Spirit comes in. Or maybe you're a Christian and you've gotten off track and you've desired worldly, earthly things more than you've desired God. Why not get your heart right today and have the right kind of heart so we can see God working in our lives? Or maybe you're here and you've been looking for or watching and you've been looking for a church home. I'm so grateful I received a, an email this week from a couple uh, Joey and Julie Bailey saying they wanted to join this church, even if it is virtually right now. They want to be a part of this church family. And maybe you want to be a part of this church family, this imperfect church that serves a perfect God. He's an on-time God, and maybe now's the time that you become part of this family of faith. But whatever's going on in your life, know that God is with you and me, and he's going to make everything beautiful. And it's time, and we can jump up and down, walking, jumping, and praising God. Because 
when everyone saw this, that he was in the temple jumping up and down, praising God, they said, isn't that, isn't that the guy that used to be out at the temple gate, beautiful? And they were amazed at this miracle, this wonder that had taken place. Will people be amazed at what God is going to do in your life right now as we pray? Father, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that if there are any folks in this place that have never given their life to Christ, for people watching, and they've never given their life to Christ, this is the right time and the right place for that to happen. May they confess their sin, ask for forgiveness, and they might receive the gift of your mercy and grace. Father, I pray that Christians would renew their faith. During this time, we've, I pray, had time to think and to, to grow and to understand that earthly, temporary things will pass away, but only a relationship with Christ is eternal. So may we grow spiritually and maybe get our focus back on what should be or who should be most important. Father, maybe there are those uh, like the Baileys that want to unite with this church and maybe they're here and they want to make a decision or maybe they're watching and they want to send in that they want to unite with us. God, however your Holy Spirit leads, may this be a, a life-changing day that we would consecrate or commit our lives fully to Jesus and allow you to make our once poverty-stricken spiritual lives now beautiful in the eyes of Jesus, for it is in his precious name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're in this place as we sing a hymn of a commitment. The front pews are open if you'd like to make a decision. It'd be my privilege to talk with you and pray with you about your decision. Won't you come as we sing together? <laughs>